Welcome to Zephyr Yoga Inspiration. I offer these podcasts for free, and your support really does make a difference and is appreciated. To make a donation, please click the link in the episode description or visit ZephyrYoga.com. So as you guys all know, we've been on this huge journey over the past few months, uh, working with the elements and understanding how they work with our embodiment and how we transverse our inner landscape by utilizing these elements then unfolding in the sister science of yoga, Ayurveda, and working with the doshas and seeing those elements and as an expression of those doshas and how we create inner harmony by practice. Last week, we looked at the Buddhist perspective of seeing the body as a vessel and what we're working with and how to work with it, drawing our attention towards the Granda Samhita and working with prana and the stages of working with prana to ultimately connect to the healing power of prana, the power that inspires the physical, energetic, and mental form, but also the way in which we transform um, our experience of our embodiment towards um, a place in which we can find more equanimity in physical, energetic, and mental embodiment. So this practice, this focused, diligent practice of yoga is called abhyasa. This is a term in which really focuses our attention to this devotional practice that we adhere to. And within that, we are practicing vairagya, which is this letting go of sensory observation or perception of what comes up as a result of practice. So this vairagya is this a way that we become able to detach with love or indifference um, with what is observed or seen arising in our practice, the form of our thoughts, emotions, memories, sensations, judgment, criticism, resistance, attachment, you know, all sorts of stuff come up in our practice. So what we're trying to do is really point us towards the supposed goal of yoga <laughs> is reaching a state of Norodaha. And this is pointing towards the Yoga Sutras in that way in which Norodaha is the stopping, the stilling, the removal or the cessation of. First, we work with our physical body, which is Kaya Norodaha, physical stillness. Then we work with our energetic body, Prana Norodaha, which is our energetic stillness. And then we work with Chitta Vritti Narodaha, which is mental stillness. That's the second sutra. So what happens when we achieve stillness? It is said that the self rests within itself. That the I-ness recognizes itself as you. Consciousness sees itself through your embodiment. And so... That is that experience of that desired samadhi state, which is the eighth limb of the Ashtanga yoga practice. And samadhi is not necessarily anything to do with like union. Actually, samadhi is said to be a separation of pakriti as you awaken to your purusha. I know that sounds like, like, what? <laughs> Pakriti is everything in your manifested form, physical, energetic, and mental. So everything that we experience 
in our embodiment, external and internal is Pakriti. But consciousness is Purusha. So again, the Yoga Sutras, there's a school of thought that it is um, a part of duality, of separateness. And what we're trying to achieve is the separateness as we awaken to our oneness, wholeness, completeness. And that is said to be true liberation, true freedom, is that enlightened state when we recognize Purusha as ourselves. So what happens, according to the Yoga Sutras, if stillness isn't achieved in our practice? Well, the witnessing state of consciousness within you misidentifies with the thoughts, the emotions, the images, the sensations, the other mind stuff that is kind of going on, you misidentify as Prakriti. I am my thoughts, I am my emotions, I am my sensations, this is who I am, and you get stuck in this limited sense of self. So Patanjali has two uh, solutions. It's either Kriya Yoga or Ashtanga Yoga, not the brand Ashtanga taught by Padabi Joyce, but Ashtanga Yoga, according to the Yoga Sutras, is the eighth limb path. So um, Kriya Yoga is said to be for those who are not seeking the highest state of Samadhi. So you practice Tapa, Svadaya, um, Svadaya and Ishvara Pranadana. So tapas practices that create heat for positive change. And in that, that heat, it digs up all this stuff. And Svadaya is this self-study, self-knowledge. Um, you start to kind of go, oh, wow, that's a judgmental thought. Wow, I have so, so much self-doubt right now. God, that pain is really distracting me. I don't want to feel that. I'm afraid. And all of a sudden, you start to notice and become more self-aware. The Ishvara Pranadana is that ability to surrender to the Godhead of your own understanding. So this is just whether you believe in nothingness, nothingness, illuminated emptiness, or whether you believe in fullness, grace, divinity, or God. Whatever that is, you practice that art of surrendering, of letting go, in that way in which we create heat, we self-understand, and we let go. So that's Kriya Yoga. Um, Ashtanga Yoga is said to be for those who are seeking full liberation from suffering of existence. <laughs> now, that means that you're practicing yamas, niyamas, asana pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and then samadhi. And in that, it is said to be fully liberated in which you will not be subjected to the samsara of birth, life and death any longer. That you fully liberate, your soul liberates, your consciousness liberates, and you'll never be reborn again. And so you don't have to be subjected to any more pain and suffering. So, you know, I feel like in my lifetime, I'm doing Kriya Yoga. Because <laughs> I still like drinking wine, I still like having sex with my husband, I still have a very lived house dweller experience. I am not a renunciant, I am not trying to um, get somewhere in which I feel like I'm going to attain enlightenment. I want to just have a full enriched life. So maybe Kriya Yoga is for me. But I like studying Ashtanga, the eight limbs as well. And you'll notice in this practice, we will be studying that. So either way, the purpose of practice, Abhyasa, this focused diligent practice, is to minimize the kleshas. These are mental emotional afflictions that are said to be at the root cause of why we suffer and why we are subjected 
to ongoing karmic action and reaction. So why we are still learning the same thing over and over again because we have that human disease of forgetfulness and we wake up and we're like, why do I still feel like shit? I did yoga yesterday. You know, why do I still feel like this? And it's just because the kleshas and it's a remission on a daily basis contingent upon how devoted you are to practice, how devoted you are to start to um, develop this witnessing state of awareness, viveka, this discernment to recognize your own stuff that comes up. And we clear the slate, we clear the mental, we clear the energetic, and we clear the physical as a result to practice. So we can be in touch with more of our wisdom body to be able to skillfully navigate our life. So these five kleshas are, the first one's avidya, which is ignorance misapprehension, misunderstanding, our confusion of life, not being able to see clearly or see into the truth. Then a shmita, which is egotism, thinking more or less of who you actually are, getting stuck in the smallness of self that I am my down depressive thoughts or I am my sorrowful, um, you know, painful vulnerability and, you know, I am my aches and pains that sense of that ego that gets stuck in what I am. This is who I am, yeah? Then the third thing is, or the third klesha, is raga, which is our addictive craving, yearning, and chasing more pleasurable things. Like, what am I gonna eat after practice? Um, you know, oh, I like Zephyr's green trousers. I wonder if I can go shopping afterwards. Or, you know, I could be doing Instagram right now better than looking at my kleshas. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> so I might look at my phone right now. So there is this sense of constantly craving and trying to find more pleasurable things. Third thing, or sorry, fourth thing is devesha, which is um, that resistance to whatever is causing you pain. It's that aversion. Like, I don't wanna feel pain. I don't wanna feel bad stuff, you know? And, and so we push it away. And so we run away from it. The last thing is a vesha, which is the fear of loss, change, and death. We all have that. We don't want life to change. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my house. I don't want to lose my relationship. I don't want to lose a family member. I don't want my life to change. It's fine. I know what it's like right now. But when change happens, all of a sudden fear comes in and that fear rattles us. And then we go into that cycle of ignorance, of egotism, of constantly chasing something more pleasurable and avoiding pain. And we get looped into this cycle over and over again. So when we are practicing, noticing the witnessing state in the physical, energetic, and mental form, how we get stuck and into this habit of wandering mind. And we, we, don't, we do a whole vinyasa without even being present or how we misidentify of being more or less than and get stuck into this unhealthy ego sense of who we think we are. I'm so crap, look at everybody else doing this. They seem so peaceful and serene and I'm the worst one in the room. <laughs> or we go and wake up to our craving, yearning, chasing something more pleasurable and we catch ourselves wandering our eyes around kind of going, oh, this is pity. Or, we go into avoiding resisting what gives us pain. I don't wanna do that pose, that gives me pain. I'm gonna do something else that's more pleasurable. 
or we ultimately just notice what we are truly afraid of. Zephyr's going to make me hold my breath out and I can't breathe in. <gasps> that scares me. What if I die? You know, so we're going to do these Uddiyana Mulabandha Kriyas on the held exhale, Kumbhaka. And it provokes that, that kind of fear like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die because I can't breathe in. And that noticing that this is where we become more skillful at being these yogis is because as we focus on what comes up in our practice, we start to focus on that norodaha, trying to observe why we constantly are shifting, moving, why we are fidgeting, why we are trembling, why do we itch, why do we just wander our mind around, why are we finding it difficult just to rest in stillness? And when we are still, we become face to face with our own humanity. And in that, there is a lot of heat. And there is an opportunity to bravely face what is being mirrored back at you. And so <clears throat> at what we're trying to do is clear the lens of our perception so we can really start to see what is asking us to wake up, what is asking for our attention, what is asking to be seen, heard, and felt. And a cathartic way we use this breath-centric practice to wash clean and clear so we can abide in the self as the self, that we can recognize that I-ness that is seeking to know exactly who it is, what it is, where it is, and what it's all about, the truth within it, that we can abide in the self as the self, that ultimate goal of why we're practicing. So what we're going to try to do is move our body in such a way where then at times we can actually create that physical kaya, that energetic prana, and that mental chitta-vritti, that norodaha, that stillness and it will be provocative. If you would like to continue to practice, find out more information about the topics discussed, or to donate to this podcast, please visit ZephyrYoga.com or follow the link in the episode description. I thank you.